Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church with our pastor, Andy Brown. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. If you have your Bible here today, would you mind taking it and turning to Matthew chapter 5? And today we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 5 as we continue on into the Beatitudes. We'll be looking at the fourth Beatitude this morning, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. And let me just go ahead and just make a guess while you're turning over there, while you're looking, and I'm just going to guess that probably in a crowd this size, there are those out there who you really love a great comeback story. You love a story of someone who is down, and, uh, and then all of a sudden the coin toss flips the other way, and all of a sudden the team that was down comes back, right? Everyone loves that story. No? No one in Atlanta today loves that story? <laughs> well, let's just be honest today. There's nothing really like seeing a man chase his dreams. There's nothing like seeing a person who has this dogged passion going after something with all that they have. And let me just be honest, and I think we're all together on the same way. As much as it pains me to say this, as much as it hurts us to be here together, licking our wounds together, most of us watched Tom Brady oh, of the Patriots on Sunday night become the winningest quarterback in the history of the game. Now most of us have seen that little image of Tom Brady taking his hand and waving four Super Bowl rings on one hand. Now we get to wait to see not only four fingers, we get to see a fistful of Super Bowl rings that he's going to be waving in front of us. And for those of us who are Falcons fans like me, some of you, I know you could care less, but for some of you who are Falcons fans like me, it's the ring that's going to go on the thumb. Quit shaking your head back there. I see you, no Falcons fan. It's the, it's the ring that's going to go on the thumb that's going to be the ring that is going to hurt and sting the most. And even though it hurts, let's be honest today, Brady put together one of the most amazing comebacks in the history of the game. They put together an impressive and an unstoppable, and it was obviously unstoppable because if there was anybody that could have stopped it, it would have been the Falcons, right? We're going to be beaten. At least we've got to have the best to beat us. It was, a, it was an unstoppable drive. And some might even say that the Patriots were hungry for the win. But the question that we have to ask Mr. Brady the question that we have to ask anyone who's ever chased a dream, the question that we have to come to today, we have to say that after a life of chasing your dreams, will what it is that you chase satisfy you? Will what it is that you chase bring you the utmost satisfaction? Let's just say this together. Everyone here today, all of us are together doing something. All of us today are chasing something, but the question that we have to ask is what it is that we are chasing, will that bring us satisfaction? Listen to the words of the wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes as he opens up Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Listen to what he says. He says the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? 
A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams return to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of formal things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things. Yet to be among those who come after. Now, this is the picture in the beginning of the sermon in Ecclesiastes. This is the beginning from the preacher of a life that is filled with pursuits that won't last. So the question that we have to come, whether it's we're pursuing something as big as Super Bowl 51 or the Falcons 52, 53, 54, whether we're pursuing those things or whether we're pursuing whatever the case may be, Whatever you're chasing this morning, we need to make a determination. Is what you are chasing truly going to bring you satisfaction? Matter of fact, we could say from this angle, from looking at the bleak picture of of, uh, Ecclesiastes, is there anything or is there any way that we can find satisfaction? Have you ever gone through that? One Super Bowl ring wasn't enough for Tom Brady. Two wasn't enough. Three wasn't enough. Four wasn't enough. Guess what? Five is not enough either. He wants another. Is there any satisfaction? Is there anything in this life that's worth pursuing that will truly bring satisfaction? And listen to me this morning as a gospel preacher standing on the authority of His Word, standing behind this sacred desk, I am so happy today that we have a Word from God. I am so happy today that Jesus has come to us to tell us that there is one thing that will satisfy our soul. And it's that one thing that we get to turn our attention to today. Listen to the Word of God in Matthew chapter 5. Begin reading in verse 1. Hear the Word of the Lord. Seeing the crowds, He went up on the mountain, and when He sat down, His disciples came to Him. And He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray together. Father, we love You and we praise You. Thank You for bringing us to this moment where we can learn what it is that satisfies. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to me very carefully this morning. Here's the message in a few words. Jesus is the satisfaction of our souls. No one satisfies us like Jesus. There is no one like Jesus, 
And therefore, there is no one able to do what Jesus can do. Jesus is the satisfaction of our souls. And so there are two truths that God has brought to us today from this passage. There are two truths that we desire to learn together from this fourth beatitude. And with God's help, two truths that we'll learn together. Number one this morning, Christ has come to captivate our hearts. Christ has come. And in His coming, He has come so that our hearts could be captivated by Him. Now, don't forget this gospel truth this morning. You have to understand this. Christ has come on a mission from heaven. And that mission from heaven is so that He would seek and save the lost ones. Look back in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. It says in verse 12 that after John had been arrested, Jesus withdraws to Galilee. And then so he goes to Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now look at verse 16. The people dwelling in darkness, they have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And then from that time, verse 17 tells us, Jesus began to preach. And what did He begin to preach? He began to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember this. The Bible paints this true picture that Christ has come into a darkened world and to that darkened world bring light to it. You know what the problem with darkness is? Now, most of us here today, we can see, most of us can see very well. Most of us have never experienced any uh, prolonged period of blindness. But you know what the problem with darkness is? Well, you never really know what it is you're looking at. You may hear sounds, you may feel something, but unless you can see it, you never really know. Someone can describe it to you, but you really never really know what it is you're looking at. And so Christ has come into this world that is darkened, Christ has come into this world that was full of darkness. Uh, to, uh, as, uh, he has come as the most beautiful. He has come as the most excellent to give us a glimpse of glory. He has come to be the place that our wandering hearts would finally find their rest. And so we can say that since Christ has come, our restless hearts have finally found their rest because Jesus has come And in His coming, He has come to show us what it is that we ought to pursue. Really, before Christ came, we were in darkness. We may have had an inkling, we may have had an idea, we may have had these echoes of what to pursue, but before Christ came, before His Word, we had no idea what it is that we were supposed to pursue. But, but, and listen to this, since Christ has come, What it is that we're supposed to pursue, who it is that we're supposed to pursue, has become crystal clear. He has come in the midst of darkness to blaze a trail to show us the quickest way to satisfaction. To show us what it is that satisfies. He has come to show us, to lead us to glory. Look at the context of these blessed statements. We've been all the way together now for a while. Look at the context. Don't miss this. We've seen this pattern thus far with the Beatitudes. All of the Beatitudes have been laid out by our Lord to direct our attention towards Him. 
everything that we've read in the first four have been to level us so that we would know what it is that we're to long for. All has been done so that we would know what it is that we are to pursue. We have learned that we have nothing to offer God, nothing to give, but we are those who have everything to gain. We've seen our condition. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We've seen our condition as those who are sinners. We've seen that this sin that, that has to be accounted for and that sin moves us to grief. And then the knowledge of that sin, the knowledge of that neediness has left us broken and we look at blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And then it's only after we have such a position, after we realize how great He is, how far we are from His greatness, and so we surrender ourselves to Him, then it's after that that we can come to this fourth beatitude and we can see that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, looking at ourself in these beatitudes has left us longing for something, longing for something that satisfies because we've seen that there's nothing that can satisfy us. And then Jesus comes in this statement and tells us this is what it is that we are supposed to be pursuing. What's the one thing then out of everything that Jesus tells us will bring about satisfaction? And it's real simple. He tells us in one word, one thing that will bring you satisfaction. Righteousness. Righteousness. You have to understand this point. We would not know righteousness apart from Christ coming. There's no way for us to know what true righteousness was unless God comes to us to show us. And you say, well, why in the world would we not know what righteousness was? We have an idea of what righteousness is, and that's exactly right. That's all we have. It's just an idea. But now righteousness has taken on a face. Righteousness has taken on flesh and blood. Righteousness gives us words so that He can penetrate our hearts, so that He can show us what true and lasting satisfaction will come as a result of our pursuit of righteousness. We didn't know what righteousness was because we were stuck in a dark land that was named unrighteousness. But Christ has come. And in His coming, He has come to shine a light. And that light that He is shining is a light of righteousness. He has come to be our righteousness. He has come to give us righteousness. And so when Christ comes and tells us to hunger and thirst for righteousness, what is He doing? He's revealing to us that we need something outside of ourselves to thirst for. We need something outside of ourselves that will bring satisfaction to us. And in Christ, righteousness has come to us. We could not get to where He was. We didn't know. We were stumbling around in the dark trying to find our way. We were these people who were the land of the Gentiles, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, Galilee, by the Jordan. All, we were these people and Christ has come with His massive maglite and said, this is the way. Not just this is the way. He says, I Myself am the way. Follow Me. So what has He done? We understand. We understand that He has come to show us righteousness. And we see that this God has been pursuing us. 
we see that this God has been pursuing us from heaven. He's been coming to seek and save the lost ones. And then when we finally have the dark veil of this world lifted to see and understand that from heaven He came and sought us to make us His very own, we finally understand that it's with His own blood that, we had, that He has bought us. And He has come for one reason. So that He could take us from darkness to make us walk into light. There is no one else that can do that. There is no one else qualified to be a Savior like Jesus. Christ has come to captivate our hearts. Christ has come so that our whole affections would find our sum in one place. A pursuit of God. Think about this. Christ has come to captivate our hearts. He's come to be all that our hearts yearn for. He's come to be all that our hearts would desire. And then what does Jesus say? What does He say? What does He say in the Beatitude? Blessed are they who hunger and thirst. For what? Righteousness. Listen. He says, then they will be satisfied. Now listen to this point. You have to get this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for blessedness. Now pay close attention here. We are not to thirst for blessedness. We are not to yearn for blessedness. Now a way that you and I might understand this word blessedness is the way that some translations translate it. It's happiness. Let's just put it there. Blessedness means more than happiness. But let's just meet the Word of God on a level that we all can, uh, can really understand crystal clear. We're not to pursue happiness. We are to pursue righteousness. Happiness cannot be the goal. Righteousness must be the goal. Now you hear how counter, uh, countercultural that message is? Because most of our world, what are they in pursuit of? Most of our world is in pursuit of happiness. Here, what Jesus says though. Jesus says that if we are pursuing happiness, then we will miss blessedness. Jesus says if we're pursuing happiness, then we will miss happiness altogether. The way that we find happiness, the way that we find satisfaction, the way that we find blessedness is our pursuits to be Righteousness. Because if we pursue happiness without righteousness, then we're going, it's just going to result in disaster. Think about it this way. Happiness is based upon happenings. That's where we get the word happiness. Happiness is based on the word happenings. And so, if happiness is based upon happenings, and this is why happiness is so elusive for us. Because... Happenings are always changing. So what does that mean? It means that if we're on this roller coaster pursuing happiness, then our emotions are going to be just like this. Up and down, never really finding, always seeking, but never finding what true and genuine satisfaction means. And so Jesus has come to this world. It's all pursuing pleasure, pursuing selves. And He says, this is the way that you find true pleasure. This is the way that you find genuine satisfaction. This is the way that you find Happiness. This is the way that you find blessedness. This is the way. Quit pursuing happiness. Quit pursuing blessedness. 
start pursuing righteousness. Now, let's be honest. Our whole culture, every message that we hear outside of the Word of God tells us to live for the moment, tells us to pursue the quick fix. Instead of getting at the root of the issue, tells us that what we are supposed to be pursuing is what it is that will quickly resolve whatever emotion that I'm having. Here's the truth that we need to learn today that our Lord is telling us. Quick fixes seldom produce the results that we're chasing. I remember growing up as a boy and our hot water heater was underneath the house. It had a crawl space. And we would get some heavy rains and so when the rain would come real heavy, it's a long story, our house was the only one in the neighborhood who didn't have a drainage ditch in front of it. We fought everybody for it anyway, long story. Uh, we don't know why the builders didn't put a drainage ditch there. They just didn't. But our hot water heater was below the crawl space. And so when a heavy rain would come, you know what that would mean? It would mean that the crawl space would flood. And it would mean that the pilot light in the hot water heater would go out. And so uh, there's nothing like the wonderful feeling of getting up in the morning and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and no hot water coming. And so what would that mean? It would mean that my dad... And I did this a few times, and I remember my dad doing it more often than me. He would have to awake, getting on his schedule, ready to fix his eggs and whatever else, trying to get to work, and then he would have to interrupt that by putting on some old, dingy, dirty clothes, crawling up underneath the house, and it was really good when it was, you know, 30 degrees outside, crawling up underneath the house, getting all muddy, just so he could stick a long match and light the pilot light. So, you know what we did? For years, we dug trenches, we put sandbags out. We did everything that we could to try to prevent the pilot light from going out, but ultimately, none of that worked. You know what the solution was? The solution was, that's right, we had to move it. We had to physically take the water heater out from the bottom of the house and put it on the back porch. Well, you understand the reason that it didn't happen until after we moved and tried to sell the house. The reason is, is who wants to go out to their back porch and look at an old water heater? Well, we didn't mind doing that for the people who were going to move into the house, so we did that for them. So the solution was not some quick fix. The solution was we actually had to go about and physically move the hot water heater. Now let's just think about something just for a moment. Do you know anyone, maybe it's you this morning, who you would rather mask your problems instead of dealing with your problems? We don't want to go through what it takes to get to a solution that we, you know, pursuing happiness, that's easy. Pursuing righteousness, whoa. That probably will require change in your life. Preacher, just give me this message that's going to be easy and applicable. Well, it is easy and applicable. Pursue righteousness, not happiness. Because listen carefully. If you pursue blessedness, you're going to miss blessedness. Because we're not supposed to pursue blessedness. We're supposed to pursue righteousness. And so how many people do you know? Instead of dealing with a the problem, they mask the problem. They run to pills. They run to alcohol. They run to uh, whatever the case may be. Instead of dealing with the problem, they mask the problem. And why is it that we do this? Well, here's the reason. I think I had an old deacon one time. He told me this. A young man can't see past the end of his nose. Now, he told me that when I was 15 years old. I didn't have a clue what he meant. Didn't, I thought he was just old, crusty old man, didn't know anything. But it's true. 
A young man can't see past the end of his nose, and our problem is one thing. Is we're pursuing the wrong thing. Our culture says pursue happiness. But Christ says to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now let me just say this. We know plenty of people who run to and fro at the outside of the four walls of a church. They run to and fro trying to fill their life with all kinds of things that we know. We can look at them and say, that won't satisfy. But here's the truth. Let's be honest this morning. That's not just a problem that the world has. It's a problem that the church has. It's a problem that the church has to pursue some experience, to try to be pursuing some feeling instead of pursuing Christ. When I first moved to Oxford, I got my, uh, I got my name on, on an email list, and I am convinced that I could stay scheduled with conferences all my life. Going here, learning this, how to build this, how to do that, and how to, I, could, I could do nothing but live my schedule based upon conferences. And let me just say this, there's nothing wrong with conferences. There's nothing wrong with youth camps, pursuing a feeling, all that kind of stuff. The senior revival retreat, there's nothing wrong with pursuing the feeling. Listen carefully, listen carefully. Nothing wrong with conferences, but there's something severely wrong if I am pursuing things in the wrong order. Now, I want you to listen carefully to me this morning. What I'm fixing to tell you and what our Lord is telling us is this slight shift in degrees, this slight shift into focus will be the difference between landing on the moon and being lost in space. Listen closely. Experience. Blessedness is a result of pursuing righteousness. What we experience, a blessed life, happiness, is not what it is that our Lord tells us to chase. But it's a result that He's promised as a result of chasing Righteousness. What does Jesus say? Listen closely. What's He say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then what? His righteousness. And then what does He say? All of these things will be added unto you. Now we like that last part, don't we? All these things. Yes, Lord, give me, give me, give me. But look at the way that we get all these things. We have to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And so here's the thing. Experiences, all of these good things, they are, they are good gifts that our God gives those who are in pursuit of righteousness. Now, if you hadn't got it by now, hopefully you do. We are to pursue righteousness, not blessedness. We are to pursue righteousness, not happiness. And then that obviously begs the question, doesn't it? Thank you, preacher, for telling us that we're supposed to pursue righteousness. Now, what on earth is righteousness? How do we know? If this is what our Christ has called us to, how do we know that we are pursuing the right things? How do we know if we are chasing righteousness and not blessedness? If we are chasing righteousness and not happiness? How do we know? I think that's a real genuine question if you're there. And if you're asking that question, that's a good thing. Because here's what the Scripture says in Jeremiah 17. It says, If the heart is deceitful above all things, it's desperately sick, who can understand it? 
how can we know whether or not we are pursuing Christ instead of the things that Christ gives us? Well, I want to just say this. That if you're asking that question, that's a really good question for you to ask. Because I'm convinced that only believers in Jesus struggle with questioning their motives. Only those of us who know who Jesus is are those who struggle truly with our motives because unbelievers, really deep down, they may convince themselves otherwise, but unbelievers are seeking really only one thing. They're seeking themselves. Now they may give to charity, they may live a great life, but in the end they're pursuing something. That Probably what they're pursuing is that feeling of satisfaction that they have. So they can try to mask their self-centeredness, but they're pursuing themselves. Whereas we who are believers, those of us who have learned that we're poor in spirit, those of us who have been mournful over our poverty, those of us who have been meek in placing ourselves under the control of our God, we then know that we are to test our thoughts and our attitudes to make sure that what it is that we're pursuing is not what doesn't satisfy. We are supposed to pursue what it is that will give us everlasting joy. You see, here's the thing. The reason we struggle is because by believing in Jesus, God has graciously given us His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts. And now there's a war that's raging in the heart of every believer. Read Romans chapter 7 and you'll read about it. The Christian experience of knowing what we ought to do, but not doing it. Knowing that we shouldn't do this, and then going out and doing it. We're now aware of what we should desire, but we often feel a strong pull in the other direction. Now, we know because we take serious what God has said, we know that we should hunger and thirst for righteousness. We know that only Jesus satisfies. But we also know because we've lived that we're called to test our thoughts and our attitudes and we're called, the, the Lord calls us believers to take every thought captive and place it under the obedience Christ. So then how on earth do we know if we're pursuing righteousness? Well, first we have to know what righteousness is. And listen carefully, the righteousness that Matthew is referring to here, the righteousness that Jesus is telling us about through Matthew is this wonderful relationship that Christ has come to call us to. What this righteousness is, is this wonderful relationship that He through His life and through His blood, has brought us into. You see, here's the truth. Because of Jesus, we who were once darkened have now been enlightened. Jesus has come to call us to walk with Him. Jesus has come to call us to stand on our right side to say, look at me. Look at the light. Don't look into the darkness. Walk in the light. Don't step foot over here. It's only disaster. And we who are His, we who belong to Jesus, want to walk with Him. We want to do what it is that pleases Him. You see, one who is hungering and thirsting for righteousness will be crying, I am weak, but Thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk close to Thee. So what are we seeing? Just a closer walk with Thee. Grant it, Jesus, this my plea. Daily walking close to Thee. Let it be, Lord, let it be. And I love, you know who wrote that song? Anonymous. That's probably the best part of that song, that the guy who wrote it 
doesn't even want us to know who he is. Because he's pursuing Jesus. You see, yes, we who are Christ have been declared righteous. That's our justification. But those who are chasing righteousness, we want our daily experience to be saying, Jesus, give me Jesus. And that's something called sanctification. You see, we know our hearts are prone to wonder. We know that our hearts are prone to leave the God that we love. And so we offer ourselves, we lay ourselves to the only one that satisfies. And we say, here's my heart, Lord, take it and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Are you pursuing righteousness? Or are you pursuing self? Now there's a passage of Scripture that helps. Take your Bible, if you wouldn't mind, and turn to Psalm 37. Real quickly. There's a passage of Scripture that helps us determine our pursuits. Do you want to know this morning? Do you want to know if you're pursuing righteousness? Do you want to know this morning if what you're pursuing is righteousness? And are you really and truly saying, Jesus, give me Jesus? Then hey, one place that we can go to to try to find help is Psalm 37. And really, just verses 3-9, through just those verses will do for us. So if we are to pursue righteousness, one of the ways that we know if we're really doing that is to take Psalm 37 and lay it as a filter over our hearts. Listen to it really quickly. Look at 37. I'm not going to read it. I just want you to look at verses 3-9 through and walk down with me. And ask yourself the questions. Are you trusting in the Lord and doing good? Are you delighting yourself, verse 4, in the Lord? Is that... Your delight. The Lord. Or are you delighting in the desires of your own heart? And hopefully, those two things are the same. Hopefully, the delight of your heart is the Lord. But see, we've got a lifetime to figure that out. We've got a lifetime for the Spirit of our Lord to teach us whether or not these things are true. Are we, verse 5, committing our ways to the Lord? Are we trusting in Him? Are we waiting on Him to act? Are we confident that God will bring forth our righteousness as the light? Are we being still, in verse 7, before the Lord and waiting patiently for Him? Are we fretting ourselves over those wicked who prospers in His ways? Are we refraining from anger? Are we forsaking wrath? Are we trusting, in verse 9, that one day the righteousness of the Lord will be all that it is that will remain? Lay that passage as a filter over your heart to see whether or not you're pursuing righteousness or you're pursuing the results of righteousness. And listen carefully to the pastor. Listen to Jesus. If you pursue the results of righteousness, you'll miss the results of righteousness. But if you pursue righteousness, then you'll have blessedness. Now think with me just for a moment. Is this where you are? In your walk with Jesus, do you see your great need? Do you see His abundant supply? Have you come to the point where you are actually saying nothing else will do for me except Jesus? Are you this morning pursuing God with every passion of your heart? God knows. You may can fool the pastor, you may can fool your friends, you may can fool the church. 
When you lay down at night and it's just you and God and you're looking at the ceiling or looking at the wall, whichever way you sleep, looking at the pillow, whatever. God knows the pursuit of your hearts. You can't fool Him. Don't miss the kingdom. Because you are pursuing a feeling. Pursue righteousness. Regardless of the feeling. Now let me be very pastoral with Oxford Baptist Church for just a moment. I've been your pastor for four years. And I'm afraid that I pastor a church full of people who are not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. A pastor shouldn't have to beg his church to come to something as simple as a prayer meeting. We've offered prayer meetings on Saturday mornings, Sunday nights, we're here weekly on Wednesday nights to pray. Some of you I haven't seen in four years. Are you pursuing righteousness? Or are you simply pursuing yourself? Because see, if you pursue righteousness, things would be different. A pastor wouldn't have to beg for nursery workers to volunteer. Steve and I wouldn't have to be hindered by the ministry that we desire to do because of a lack of enthusiasm from the church if the church was hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Now listen, this is not a guilt trip. It's an opportunity for the church to look and test your motivations, to test your ambitions, to see whether or not you are pursuing righteousness. And listen, you may be pursuing it at another place. Great! Pursue it there with every passion that you have. Wherever you are, be all in for the sake of the King. Wherever you are, be all there. Because here's the thing Jesus says. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The problem I'm afraid with most of the people that I pastor is that you've already become satisfied. You're stagnant. You're not pursuing righteousness. You're pursuing other things. and They may be good things, but it's not the best thing. And as a result of that, you may end up missing the kingdom of God because you've based your life pursuing a feeling instead of pursuing the Savior of those feelings. Look at the way that Jesus describes the pursuit of righteousness. What does He do? Look at the text. See where you are. What does He say? He likens it to something that is insatiable. He likens it to a hunger and thirst. If I were to come up and I were to offer a man who was dying of thirst, a million dollars or a cold drink of water, which one do you think he'd choose? Jesus says we are to pursue righteousness like this. We are to be those who look and say there is nothing that satisfies me like Jesus and I am going to pursue Him. And look at the result. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. It's those who have met their divine satisfaction. I want to tell you, look at this. What kind of hunger and thirst are we to have? The, what is our pursuit of righteousness? And this is, I won't get too technical, but let me just say, say this. The Greek tells the story of what it is that we should pursue. And the Greek says it so much better than we can say in the English. Righteousness, not to get technical, but listen, righteousness is in the accusative case instead of the genitive. Now what does that mean? Usually, a genitive would follow a word like hunger and thirst. But the word that follows is in the accusative. And what does this mean? Here's what it means. It means that Jesus is telling us not to have a piece of righteousness. 
Not to be satisfied with I'm going to heaven when I die. Jesus tells us that we are not to be satisfied with a piece of righteousness, but we are to hunger and thirst for every bit of righteousness. We want it all. Jesus is able to give it all to us. Imagine hungering and thirsting, but having nothing to satisfy your hunger. Imagine hungering and thirsting, but nothing there to quench your thirst. Listen to the good hope of the Gospel. We have a Savior who has come to a dry and barren land to be our bread from heaven. He has come to be our stream of living water. He has come to feed us until we want no more. He has come to satisfy from the fountain of His cup that runneth over. So here, Jesus is telling us that He has come to show us the way to satisfaction. Look, this is early on in the ministry of Jesus. We've not even made it to the point yet where He'll be coming and we see this message repeated. He comes to a woman at the well and He tells her that I'll give you water that's living. And we see Jesus coming to a crowd that He had just fed plenty of food. They had 12 baskets left over and He comes to them and He says, I am the bread that satisfies. And you see, Jesus this morning stands in this passage Stands and He invites all who are thirsty to come. Because listen, number two this morning, He is the satisfaction of our souls. Christ has come to satisfy our souls. And those who are hungry and thirsting for righteousness, they are the ones who will be satisfied. So how many of you this morning want to be satisfied? Don't feast on the bread of anxious toil. Don't feast on bread that doesn't satisfy. Feast on Jesus. Come to Jesus and find rest for your souls. You see, Jesus is the only one who can both satisfy you and leave you wanting more. But listen, the more that He offers you is the more that He satisfies you is more of what it is that brings further satisfaction. Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Trust in the Lord and He will do it. So the invitation this morning from Jesus is clear. It's crystal clear. He's already said it in Isaiah 55. Here's what He says. Don't spend your time laboring for that which does not satisfy. Jesus has His arms stretched out saying, come to Me. Come to the One who loved you enough to meet you right where you were. To offer Himself to you so that He could be your satisfaction. And the question that we have to ask one another, the question that the congregation has to ask the pastor, the question that the pastor has to ask the congregation is are we together pursuing Jesus? And are we pursuing Him like a, like a man who's dehydrated, dying of thirst that has to have a cold, warm, it doesn't matter. Just give me a drink of water. Do you believe in Him? Have you come to Him? Are you thirsting this morning for more 
of Him. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love You. We praise You. We thank You for loving us with patience. Father, this is not a call of guilt. This is a call for repentance. This is a call of conviction. For us to come to You honestly right now in this moment of invitation and to say, Lord, test my thoughts. Test my attitudes. Test my actions and see whether it is I am pursuing Jesus. Father, for those who are not pursuing You, for those who are pursuing the good gifts that You give instead of pursuing You and they've confused it, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit of God would make it clear that You would raise in their hearts an awareness that they need to quit pursuing that which does not satisfy and start pursuing Jesus. Will they be willing this morning to come and lay themselves bare before You and say, all to Jesus, I surrender. Take my thoughts, take my ambitions, take everything that I am. Just give me Jesus. Father, for whoever will do that, Your Word says that those who come to You you will never cast out. So Father, as we have an invitation time now, you're working on the hearts of all of those here, would there be some who are willing to say, I want more of Jesus. Have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.